Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. As I sort through all these questions, I'm always amazed at um, how quickly I need to get back with people. And as I've shared before, um, we get hundreds of questions, which means that what I try to do is put them together in such a way that that it'll be an interesting uh, 25 minutes of answering questions. And um, and so I kind of switch around ages and different uh, topics, that kind of thing, just to engage people and try to hit as many as possible. Uh, can I can I steer you this way? You know, it's it's always helpful when we know the age of your kids, and um, that's that's helpful because there's a big difference between a 12 year old and an 18 year old, and um, uh, that's most helpful. The other thing is, you know, you might be able to find a lot of answers that you're seeking by listening to other podcasts that we have. And not that I'm promoting the podcast, I'm just pushing um, other wisdom that we've shared at other times. And I don't mind going over it and, and uh, I don't mind that at all. My my hope is that, that uh, if you're waiting to listen to your question, do some searching on some of our um, on our website or, um, you know, or through the podcast and try to find some other uh, sessions that will tell you what we're talking about. Hey, before we get started, let me, let me tell you about a number of things that we're doing this year. Um, and you can find out about these special fundraising events at heartlightvip.events, uh, Heartlight vip.events and and we put together a number of events to help raise funds for all the stuff that we do um, because we weren't able to have dinners and and events last year and so we came up with a number of events this year you know in particular there's a a couple of events that are just absolutely wonderful and uh, I hope you'll participate with this one of them is in October um, it's with Stephen Curtis Chapman at the George Shindig Ranch in Franklin Tennessee uh, and it's limited to a hundred people and um, we'd love to invite you to be a part of that it's a, a you get to see a wonderful antique um, and collectible car collection of George Shin, and uh, and then get get to listen to the music of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Another event we have is at the Silver Oak Winery in Napa Valley, and our guest artist for that night will be Paul Overstreet. Um, even if you don't like country music, you know of some of the songs that he's that he's written for a number of people. Um, and then another event that we have that's in December, we call it a once-in-a-lifetime Tennessee Christmas. It's a Friday night event for a small group of 80 people um, at a special little venue that holds about 80 people uh, with, a, with a home concert by Michael W. Smith singing a lot of his Christmas stuff. And then the next day in the afternoon or the evening, um, it's... Uh, an event that we're having at the Ryman Theater in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, uh, where Amy Grant and Vince Gill 
we'll be performing and we'll have a dinner. Uh, we'll have a meet and greet with Amy and Vince, and then you get to sit through their Christmas concert. And we've selected a group of uh, rooms and blocked them off at the Omni Hotel. It's a wonderful event. Now, I mean, these are fundraising events. You need you need to know that. And basically what we've done is whatever it cost us, we've just doubled the cost and asked that people participate with this. The, the Amy Grant, Vince Gill, and Michael W. Smith event is probably 75% filled. Um, but to find out more about all these events that we do that promote and and um, and benefit Heartlight uh, Ministries and Parenting Today's Teens, go to heartlightvip.events. Okay, enough for the promo stuff. Let me get to these questions. Here's one of the questions is, you know, um, I need help uh, helping siblings heal. One sister left... Uh, mom's home at age 15 to spend more time with her father who abandoned them in earlier years and the youngest now feels abandoned by her sister and the father doesn't want to spend any time with the sister. Um, Here's another question is, I'm seeking uh, recommendations on keeping communication open with my recently estranged granddaughter. She turned 18 and that was her ticket to leave her mother. Um, What do I do? And so, uh, great question. Uh, Somebody else said, I have currently found out that my two daughters are sexually active. I've taught them the value of abstinence and purity, but they decided otherwise. What do I do now about offering birth control? Great question. Somebody else said, my 15-year-old son is secretive about his friends. Uh, He's recently switched schools, and he's kind of shutting down. Um, You know, we would would love to give some insight about how we engage with, with him and uh, without controlling his personal life? Uh, Wonderful question. Another question says this, our 19-year-old son is ultra lazy, no motivation. Uh, Even though he was gifted and talented in high school, he's working at a pizza place, failed classes. You know, he's vaping, smoking pot, living with us. Great question for a 19-year-old. Here's another question that says, all my conversations with my 13-year-old grandson turns into arguments. Most of the time we're miscommunicating. We don't understand each other. Got some great answers for that as well. So let's dive into these. And I I think this is where it becomes very important um, just to to learn how to engage differently. So I'll give a few lessons with it also, not just advice, but maybe some background into some of this that makes it important. You know, it's, you know, here's the first question is, you know, here's where a sister left when she turned 15, went to live with her father. And so the younger sister that was there now feels abandoned by her father and by her sister. And the father doesn't want to spend any time with her. Um, I think the question that that a kid would ask when they feel abandoned is they would say, what is it about me? That's not valuable. Um, or the second question may be, aren't I valuable enough for someone to stay? Um, and for the dad to leave and for the sister to leave, this young girl may be saying, was it hard for them to leave? And, you know, what What I find is that abandonment is abandonment. I mean, you just feel left. Um and she's probably feeling the same as a child who uh, comes to the conclusion that they were abandoned at birth um, and then put up for adoption. And when a child turns, uh, you know, 11, 12 years of, old, of age, what happens is 
a child begins to feel like um, I was abandoned. Somebody left me and didn't want me anymore. And, I, and I'll come back to this. Or um, the parents have died and the value that they would get from a mom and dad is, is no longer there. Or there's a divorce situation. I think kids ask the question all the time, wasn't I valuable enough for you to stick around? Um, but you left and, and now we're in separate places. Or I wasn't valuable enough for you to tolerate, if I will, the misery of marriage that you may be going through. I wasn't valuable enough to trump that and so you left. Now, please don't hear that as a critical remark. I'm just saying that this is how a kid feels. Or that just someone leaves. You know, when there, there's a sense of abandonment when a, a friend says, you know, I just don't want to be friends anymore. And so I'm glad that you recognize what's going on um, and, and understand this, that because of the value that's been lost, she will have more of a desire to find value in other places, and she'll do whatever it takes to get value. And so that's where I encourage parents, you know, keep your weather eye to the sky, keep your thumb on the pulse of your daughter's life. And, and make sure that, that you are doing things to help her feel valuable. Now, the first place that's going to come from, Mom, is you. Uh, I mean, moms, moms instill value. Dads validate it. And so it's almost that, Mom, you've probably done a great job letting her know she's valued. But know also that she's longing to have that validated by somebody outside the family. And young ladies can get that stamp of approval, that validation quick, sexually, by doing things, performing things, and um, acting certain ways. I mean, they can get it. They can get the attention they want. But really at the core of it, what she's looking for is value. And so I would, I would encourage you to have her do things where she can feel a sense of value. You know, get her to go work, uh, volunteer at a rescue shelter taking care of animals that have been abandoned. And she may find that there's a connection uh, that she feels, and she now realizes what's happened to her, and it may be by the animals talking to her, if you will. Have her be involved in a mission project. Have her adopt kids through compassion uh, and start sending them money. Have her go to an assisted living um, place and read to the elderly. You know, but more importantly, it's about you, Mom. I mean, you're the one that's going to fill this void in her life and help her understand. Because I think you guys have something in common. You've been abandoned by the same two people. And so you probably have a lot of common feelings. You know, if if you want to resolve that relationship um, with her sister, then arrange sometimes for both of them to get together. Um, you know, I, I don't know how she feels about dad, uh, but I do hear a lot of kids talk about being abandoned. Um, and I want to give you a, a resource that may help. Uh, we have a YouTube channel called Heartlight Stories. And you can go to that, and there's a, there's a kid on there that, that, who I think the world of. His name's Connor. And... Um, uh, he's been abandoned by a dad, and he feels it. And it may be helpful to spend some time listening to how this young man feels or any kid that has been adopted 
that we've had. About a third of the kids that live with us at Heartlight have been adopted. Um, those stories may be good, and it may be good for your daughter to watch them and identify in such a way so that you can have discussions. Don't spend a whole lot of time teaching her something. Don't spend a whole lot of time giving her information about abandonment. Spend more time talking about the wisdom, what you've learned about abandonment, and just listening to her heart as she shares and processes out loud. I hope that's helpful. Here's somebody else says, I'm seeking recommendations to keep communication open with my recently estranged granddaughter. When she turned 18, it was her ticket to leave her mom. And so I send her a text every so often letting her know that there's nothing she can do to make me love her more and nothing she could do to make me love her less. But I don't get a response. Should I keep this up or not? I would tell you this, keep it up. Keep it up. You know, I, I have kids tell me all the time. I, I text them and I never hear from them. I text them, I never hear from them. I post something on Facebook and and never hear from them. I send them a message. I leave them a message. I invite them to a Zoom call to keep up and they don't. But what I hear even years later is their gratitude for somebody that that just felt like somebody else remembered them. Um, sometimes when kids get lost, it's good to know that somebody's thinking about them. And I don't think you really have to quote scripture to them, or you don't have to tell them you're praying for them, or any of that, you know. Um, what's your favorite magazine? What does she like to, to read about? And the reason I use a magazine is that tell her to go to page 62, and on page 62, have a $100 bill stuck in there, um, and just say, I'm thinking about you. Would love to see you sometime. You know, those acts of, of uh, kindness have an amazing way of paying off in the future, and that's what you're going for more than anything else. Hope that helps. Here's somebody else says, I've currently found out that my two daughters are sexually active. They're 17 and 20. I've taught them the value of abstinence and purity, but they decided otherwise. What do I do now? You know, we don't always get what we want as parents. And uh, I've never met a parent that has said, you know, I'd really like for my child, my teen child, to be sexually active during their, their adolescent years. I've never heard anybody say that. And so, of course, we want something different from them. And and I, I think we teach and and we tell them the value, but I think what they're longing for is the wisdom, you know, about then how do I do that? Um, how do I really do that in a world that they live in that is so, uh, where sexual activity is uh, prominent, uh, pursued, uh, you know, and I, I, I would say it's also undervalued. I mean, I, I don't think that the teens today look at uh, sexual intercourse the way that I used to look at sexual intercourse. I mean, it, it was a holy event that that you never go near. And I don't think kids look at it that way anymore. And so it's it's not that I, I'm saying that I do. I'm just saying that the culture has shifted and, and the intensity of kids needing to connect with one another has increased because of the way they communicate. They communicate, but they don't connect. But they're longing to connect because they're made to connect. God created them that way. And so a lot of our young ladies fall to being sexually active to get the attention and the value that they want and, and so desperately need. But it's temporary. And so 
I don't think I would pursue them in shaming them. I mean, they're of age now that they can pretty much do what they want. And I would let them know, if you want birth control, I'm happy to help you with that. But let me be honest about that. They can go do that on their own anyway. And if they're not smart enough, then that may be a consequence of of what's going on, unless you are really sitting there feeling that, yeah, but I don't want to raise a grandchild. The number of times that I've heard that statement has been amazing. And I'll tell you this, I mean, and, I, and please don't hear me as promoting teen pregnancy. Uh, teen pregnancy numbers have been cut in half uh, over the last uh, five years. And so I know kids are less sexually active, but but there, there is something about a child getting pregnant that, that isn't the end of the world. And there's far worse things that kids can do uh, than getting pregnant. So let me sum it up in this. You know, if they're 17 and 20 years old, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. They are responsible for themselves. you got to make some decisions. And one of those decisions is this. Can I still love my child? if they're sexually active somewhere else, just because we see different on things. And the other part of it is, I know this, that you'll never have any influence unless you have a relationship with your child. And so I, I think I would encourage them to say, hey, if you're going to be sexually active, that's your deal, but I would encourage you to get on birth control. You know, and, and, um, but love on them. And say, I'd, I'd really rather not hear about that. I, and I know that it's tough. I mean, I know kids that are sexually active. I know people that live together. That I, you know, I know people that go on trips and vacation together. Yeah, they do everything together. And it's not that big of a deal. And it is a big deal to me because that's the way I was raised. And so it just means there's a different perspective of things. And it means I've got to look at things differently and then start making decisions how I'm going to engage a little bit differently as well. I hope that helps. Um, I just know it's a tough situation. and uh, But I also know that the relationship is key. Hey, another question. Somebody says, my 15-year-old son is being secretive about his friends. We've asked him to invite him over, but he says they're embarrassed to come. We're pretty sure he's hanging out with not-so-good influences, and we want him to be around positive. But So we recently switched schools, but he's having a hard time making any friends. Um, how do we monitor his friendships without controlling his uh, personal life, which I think is wonderful. They, you know, I've, I've never met a parent that has said, you know, I'd like for my kids to hang around a bunch of bad kids. And uh, uh, I've, never, I've never heard that. But here, here's the same, the same thing that I would tell you. I've, I've never met any bad kids. I think they're all kids that are just struggling or having a, a tough time. I, I wonder when you say that he's secretive about his friends, what is he? What is he embarrassed about? Um, is there something that he's embarrassed about you, or is there something that you're doing that embarrasses him, or are there comments that are being made that embarrass him in front of friends? Why would he not think his friends, um, who probably have lower expectations if they're these bad kids or bad influences that you talk about, why would he be embarrassed? And I, I think that is where I'd go first. I, I know kids do this. I know they live in an anxious world, a depressed world, and so they look for relationships that can 
can bring a sense of rest to them. And that may be no expectations, no motivation, just sit around and do nothing. And it is a break and it is rest. But what is he finding in his other friends? What is it that he's drawn to? What is there something of, uh, in, in the life of those friends that he goes, I really want to connect with these friends? And he may know they're not a good influence, but he's getting something out of it. You know, and then that, that question of what is he embarrassed about? And I would just learn to engage differently. And I would ask him that question. Hey, I, I, you get embarrassed by us. What are you embarrassed by the most? How can we get over that? You think it's something that we can change? Um, what are you doing that's embarrassing? Is there something you're doing that would embarrass us? And then I would ask him the question, what do you want from us as well? And what changes do you think need to be made within our home so that you could bring your friends there? You know, I, I think the, the, the relationships that our kids um, surround themselves with are indicative of what they're looking for um, to counter what they don't have or what they don't like in their life. Uh, meaning this, if I don't find value at home, I'm going to find value somewhere else. If there's a demand for perfection at home, I'm going to find a place that isn't so demanding. If it's anxious at home and tense, I'm going to find a place that is completely opposite. If being at home is depressing, I'm going to find or do something that keeps me from my depression. Are you following me? So the part of it is saying, what is it that, that's so embarrassing? What are we doing? But now let's engage your child and start asking some questions. Here's another question. Somebody says, hey, I, you know, what would you advise for a 19-year-old son who's ultra lazy, no motivation? Um, he has no motivation to, to work in any place better than Papa John's. And I'm not against Papa John's. Please hear that. I think it's wonderful pizza. And I think any kid needs to have a job. Uh, he's taken some classes. He's failed. Um, he seems to have anxiety, but mom and dad both have this. And we've raised him in a Christian home, but we don't know what he's doing. He's vaping, smoking pot, and he's living with us. You know, what do we do? It's time for him to move out and to come up with a plan. And, and you know, um, what you don't want to do is, is have him choose to move out and, and not treat the anxiety at the same time. So tell him, hey, as long as you're going to be at home, we have to do something about the anxiousness. And I know you're kind of fearful um, about a lot of things in life. And anxiety is usually of the unknown, that you, things you don't know about that you become fearful of. But this sitting around doing nothing is not going to work. And smoking pot and vaping and doing all the things that we're against, we're not going to do that here. So let's come up with a plan. And we're game to do this. We'll help you with your first month's rent. And then we'll reduce it 20% the next month. Then we'll reduce it another 20% the next month. Where you get to a point where if you're not going to go to school, then you need to work and you need to find a job so that you can start making payments and everything else. But as long as you're here, we're going to ask that you take classes, not fail classes, you know, not vape, not... I mean, as long as they live with you, you can tell them whatever. I mean, I get into a rental car and they tell me, you know, don't smoke in the car. I don't smoke anyway. But they say, don't smoke in the car, don't drive here, don't go on these roads. I mean, there's a whole list of stuff that they tell me, and that's just a rental car. It's normal that if a child's living at home, 
you know, that, that, that it's okay for you to say, this is what I want and this is what we don't want. And, and I know that you don't want it is a 25 year old clown living, uh, you know, on your couch, you know, playing video games the rest of his life. You've got to motivate him in some way and help him with that. And I would make sure that you're helping him with that sense of anxiety that he feels. Here's another question somebody asked, is all my conversations with my 13-year-old grandson turns into arguments. Okay, you know, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, let me, let me ask you this, Grandma. What's he trying to say to you? Um, what are you trying to communicate uh, because you say in this question, how can we improve our communication and stop escalating our conversations into screaming matches, sarcasm, and disrespect? You know, do you listen more than you talk? And what is his response to you when you talk? Because it may be asking the question, are you provoking him to respond to you in a certain way? And what are you arguing about? I mean, what... Uh, when you when you're talking to a 13 year old, what are you arguing about? Uh, you, you know, usually an argument is, "Hey, I want this," and somebody else says, "Well, I want this." And if you're not believing the way I believe, then I'm going to convince you otherwise. And I mean, so then then you get into this argument. But I wouldn't even have those conversations. You know, I, uh, my encouragement is bring him to your level and don't stoop to his. And and one of the things that I tell grandparents all the time, uh, because I are one and. Um, I don't share my opinion. Scripture says that a fool delights in airing his opinion. And so I don't. I don't, I don't push anything on them. I share perspective. And so if I'm trying to convince them, you know, it's, you know, it may be that it's my style. I mean, when my son was 13, he said a lot of stupid stuff. And if I spent all my time correcting him or feel like I needed to teach him something different, you know what I needed to do was just listen because he's going to get through it. And so I didn't fight him on anything. If a kid comes to me and says, well, I really believe in abortion, I can fight him on that. I, you know, I can make, I can shame him. I can make him feel stupid. You know, we just feel differently about that. And, and I go, hmm, are you asking for my opinion? And usually they say no. Okay, I won't give it. But if they come up and say, hey, what do you think about abortion? What they're doing is seeking wisdom. They're just not looking at more information. They're looking at wisdom. And that's what I want to give them. I want to give them the opportunity to gain insight and wisdom about a particular topic that they're asking me about. And I give them not my opinion and not a bunch of information, but I give them a perspective. And I don't preach at them. I really don't. Because I find that, that even a fool appears wise when he keeps his mouth shut. And when I cut the number of words uh, I have in half when talking to somebody, it always works a little bit better. Hey, I hope this helps. Uh, this has been a wonderful time of answering some of your questions. God bless you guys. Please get a hold of us if you have more questions. And uh, as I said earlier in the broadcast, go to heartlightvip.events and... and uh, uh, check and see if you can participate with us in any of these upcoming events that we have. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, 
visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.